Welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Cross Point Church in Ada, Oklahoma. Let's listen in to our pastor share what God is speaking to him today. Open up your Bibles if you have them. Pull out your phone, your tablet, whatever you use to follow Scripture. You can read along on the screen. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. I'm going to start reading in verse 10. I'm going to give you a second to get there as I, I get there myself. Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 10, we've been in a topic out of this passage of Scripture for the past few weeks, and we're going to continue right along as well. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice the responsibility falls on you. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, or because of this, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to do, stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We take this moment to, in our minds, to place you in the highest place. We focus in on your word today and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us, teach us, remind us, bring to our remembrance, connect the dots, show us how this applies to us, preach a sermon personally to us from where we're at and where you see that we need to go. Lord, I'm asking for your help today. Help me to communicate what is on your heart for the individuals in this room, those that are watching online, and anyone in the future who who will hear this message. And I thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can be reseated this morning. The most important part of the armor, I've said, is the belt of truth. We talked about this over the past three weeks. The belt of truth is the first in the list. It holds all the other armor together. It's the foundational piece of the armor of God. No belt, the armor doesn't work properly. No truth, our lives don't work properly. Next in that list is what I believe to be the second most important or the destination, the first destination that truth leads us to. It is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is the biggest piece of armor next only to the shield. The breastplate would be made of bronze. It would be one piece on the sides. It could be cinched together, but it would fit down over the head. Kind of like you would put on a life jacket almost, but it was solid in the front, solid in the back. It was highly reflective. It would be polished so that you could see a Roman soldier coming way off. The sun would reflect off of this thing. So why in the world is the breastplate of righteousness so important? What what does it do for us? And why is it the first thing that truth leads us to? Well, here's another question. It's rhetorical, so I don't want you to answer. I want you to think about this with me. What is the thing you need most from God right now? Of all the things that you could ever get from God or that he could ever give you, what do you need? What do you want? What what do you think you need? What's, What's the most important thing? I should put it that way, that God 
could give you. Well, if you'll turn to Romans chapter 3, we'll get a hint. What is your greatest need from God? Romans 3 verse 10 says this. There is none righteous. No, not even one. One translation reads, there is none righteous, none are good enough on their own merit. You and I, in and of ourselves, are guilty before God. You, me. And that presents a problem because to be accepted by God, to be part of the family of God, you have to be perfect Perfectly innocent of all sin. Not just 10 sins. No, 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 no. A lifetime of zero sin whatsoever. That's the requirement for you to be in a relationship with God. That's what it's required. That's what's always been required. Well, not only are you guilty, and not only is that the requirement, and not only is... This monumental kind of mountain in front of us, the standard, but there's nothing that you and I can do to become innocent. There's nothing in our own effort. There is nothing you can do. You could work as hard as you can your entire life and you will still come up short of what is required to be in the presence of God. Well, let's look at Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read this out of, I usually use the New King King James. That's what I preach out of. But I want to read out of another translation. It says this, Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are, but it does not provide a remedy for sin. The law of God was not designed to make you a better person. It was designed to show you how bad of a person you really are. Let's let's just sum it up and say the Ten Commandments, okay? Let's just distill it down to that. When you put your life up next to the Ten Commandments, The Ten Commandments are supposed to say to you, you can never accomplish me. The law is to make you hopeless. It's to diagnose you. One, that you're guilty. One, that you can do nothing about what you're guilty about in your own effort. Now, that's kind of heavy. But see, sometimes truth weighs heavy for a reason. The reason that this truth lays heavy on us is so that we come to the conclusion that we have no hope for ourselves, that we need a Savior. That's why the law comes in so heavy is to say, don't even try it. (laughs) Don't even try. Oh, but we try. And we think. But we're wrong. 
See, our greatest need from God is to be made right with God. You don't need a new house. That's not the most important thing. A new car. You don't need another trip. That's not the most important thing. I'm talking about what is the most important thing you need from God. You need to be made right with God. Or or a biblical word would be, you need to be made righteous. Another way of saying it is justified. Innocent before God. Romans chapter 3, we read verse 20. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read to you the answer to this problem that we have no way to solve. Romans chapter 3, watch this. Verse 20, I'll start there again. This is the New King James. It says this. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, or the works of the law, or human efforts to do what's right, be good, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Do we understand that we got nothing? For by the law is the knowledge of sin, verse 21. But now, say now. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely, say freely, by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 28. Therefore, or because of this, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. I can't say it any plainer. There is nothing you can do that will justify you in the eyes of God. No effort of your own, but faith in what the Lord Jesus did for you is the only thing. That's it. Romans chapter 4. Just let's go to the next chapter. Verse 4. Now to him who works... Or to the person who says, I'm, I'm going to work hard and God's going God's to think better of me and love me more because of I'm doing really good. To that person, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Now watch. Pastor Chad, I'm, I'm working really hard and, and I, listen, you gotta, you just can't, you gotta do some good stuff, man. You can't sit there and tell me, you gotta do some good stuff. You gotta work for the Lord. We're not saying that you don't work and do things, but why are you doing those things? Because if you're doing them to be put in a better position with God, the Bible says those are not credited to, to you as Good wages or rewards, but they're actually credited to you as a debt. The harder you work, watch this, the further you move away from God. That's what that's saying. 
Okay, let me just say this. I know that today there's a good chance that some of you are going to think, Pastor Chad, I know you're reading it out of the book. I know you're reading right out of Romans. I know you're saying this stuff, but my mind is smoking already because I can't understand what you're saying to me. See, it's so counter to us to think that somehow there would be an unconditional option because everything we know about this life is based on conditional relationships. You pick the best relationship you have, your sweet mama, your grandmama, or whoever it is. It's still conditional. And so what happens is we look at God and we project human conditional love onto him. And when we read justified freely by his grace, not through works, but believing in what Jesus did, we might believe that in the moment, but there'll come a time in our lives when we find ourselves drifting over and saying, maybe not even to ourselves, but to somebody else. Now, come on, man. Romans chapter four, verse four. Now to him who works, the wages are counted, not counted as grace, but as debt. It's not even that you can't pay through your works. You actually go into debt when you try to earn the love of God. Verse five, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Go to chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, or because of this, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 18, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Adam was our representative. When he disobeyed God, all of that passed to us. The sin problem. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Let me put this another way. Every single person in this room you have an appointment to stand in before God. Every single person in this room. You're either going to do that in this life or the next. In the next life, you don't have any options. <laughs> you stand there and he is going to look at you. And you're going to be judged, not just for the three sins that you think are the bad sins that you committed, but for every sin that you've ever committed. You're going to stand before God and be judged for everything that you've ever done. If you stand before him after you die, if you go into the high court of heaven now and you stand before the judge of the universe, he's going to look at you and he's going to say the same thing he said there. He's going to say, what about this? 
And you're going to say, what? And he's going to say, remember that time your neighbor came over and put ruts in your yard and you spent 45 seconds thinking of how you could take his life because it upset you so bad? And you're going to say, but God, I did not do anything. I didn't take his life. I just thought about it. He's going to say, remember what Jesus said? If you even think about that, it's almost just, it is like, like you did it. He's going to say that. And then he's going to say, you're guilty. You're condemned to die. Eternally separated from me. And then, but then he says, but there is another option. He's going to say, what you, what you may not know is that before you came into this courtroom, another man stood before me. And that man was Jesus. And Jesus said, whoever comes after me, I'm going to take all of the debt for their sin upon myself. I'm standing in their place. And when they come through here, I'm offering them perfect innocence because I'm paying for it all. And so here you are standing with that decision. Am I going to represent myself in the high court of heaven or am I going to let Jesus represent me? So we have to decide. If you decide here on earth, you got a choice between the two. Guess what? If you decide after you die, you're representing yourself and you will be guilty. It is so simple. There's no question. When that happens, and let's say you choose to be represented by Jesus, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, something amazing happens. Verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if any man is in Christ, if any person, any woman, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 21 says, for he made him, God made Jesus who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. It's not just that you were made righteous. It's that you were made the righteousness of God. There is no higher righteousness. There is no higher innocence. There is no higher purity than that of God himself. And the Bible says, when we say, Jesus, I want you to represent me, to take up, I believe you took upon yourself what I desired, the sin that I owed the, the price for, you took upon yourself. When you do that, what happens is you're born again. And it doesn't stop there. There's something extra. God takes his righteousness and he places it on you so that when he looks at you, he sees you just like he sees Jesus. Okay. That all sounds good. I love that. Praise God. But what part of you actually becomes righteous. Because I don't know about you, but I feel real comfortable speaking for every breathing human in this room that you, in your walk with God, are not completely innocent. Well, let me put it like this. Just think real quick. When's the last time you sinned? Because if it's any time from now back or from now forward, you're not innocent. 
You see the tension between that? God is declaring you righteous, and yet you know, you love Jesus. Man, I'm trying to do this thing. I'm trying to love my wife. I'm trying to raise my kids. I'm trying to work for this boss. I'm trying to do this stuff, but I still sin. In fact, in 1 John chapter uh, 1 and verse 8, the Bible says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. That John was writing that to Christians. He's saying to you today, through the Holy Spirit, if you say you have no sin, the truth is not in you. Now, wait a minute, Pastor Joe. You just told me that I've been made the righteousness of God and that to get into the presence of God, I have to be pure. How can that happen? What part of me is actually saved? Because I still sin. The Bible still says that I sin. In fact, in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul himself in verse 17 says, but now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I don't find. Even Paul's saying, wait a second, man, I, you know, so I want to do what's right. I love God. I'm coming to church. I believe in Jesus. But there's this other piece of me that doesn't want to do. But there's one piece of me that longs to do what's right. Well, in verse 22, the Apostle Paul gives us the answer. He says this, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Now watch. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 gives us some more detail. There's a part of you as a born-again believer in Jesus that absolutely delights in the law of God. There's another part of you that... Mm, Am I, am, I, am I preaching to people who understand what I'm saying today? Can you agree with this whole deal? You, do you feel that tension every day? Yeah. But Paul says that part of me is the inward man. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 gives us more detail. It says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely or wholly or all of who you are. And may your whole spirit, say spirit, spirit, and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's something that you may not know, that you may not ever been taught, that you have no idea about. But here's the thing. This thing that I'm looking at right now, that is not you. I'm looking at, really, it's dirt. I'll be honest with you. you. You basically, I'm looking at dirt. Now some, I'm not saying you look bad, but I'm basically, this is a dirt suit we're wearing. This dirt suit doesn't do anything unless there is a spirit inside of it. Every funeral that you go to, you're witnessing someone's clothes they wore on earth being hung up because their spirit is no longer in them. This jacket that I have on right now, when I go home and I take it off and I hang it in the closet, guess what? It's not going to jump out of the closet. 
If I take it off and I throw it over the back of the couch, it's not going to hop up and start preaching a sermon. My jacket's not going to do anything because there's nothing in it to animate it. The human body is animated by you, the real you, the spirit. We are made in the image of God. I know people like to say that this is the image of God. Oh, Lord, help us. The image that we're made in is we are a spirit. When the scripture tells us in Genesis that we were made in the image of God, that word there means to be carved out of. We we are what he is. He is a spirit, the Bible says, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. Guess what? You That's who you are. You're a spirit who's living on the inside of an earth suit. And if this earth suit breaks down, guess what? You don't stay here. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. See, I want you to think about this. Your spirit is the part of you that you have no control over. In fact, there's a good chance that many of you didn't even know that you had a spirit. What, Pastor Chad, are we talking about a spirit? You can't feel it. Have you ever felt your spirit? No. Can you touch it? Can you see it? Can you taste it? No. Can you make it do something? No. Here's what's interesting. I can control my mind. Right. I can I can control what I think. I have certain thoughts. They come in there and I say, no, I don't want to think that. Or, yes, I want to think that I can control my body. Right. I can make it do what I want it to do, but I can't control my spirit. I can't make it do what I want it to do. It's almost like it's separate from me, but it is me. The most important part of you, the part of you that lives forever. Listen, everyone is going to live forever. You. That's not the question. The question is, where are you going to live forever? You are an eternal being to start with. You're either going to spend eternity in the presence of God, or you're going to spend eternity out of the presence of God. But you're going to spend eternity somewhere because spirits are eternal beings. That's how God made you. That's who you are. Now watch. My heart right now is beating. I am so thankful that I don't control my heartbeat. Can you imagine what it'd be like? I got a stressful day, you know? I'm like, there's so much to do. I got to go pick up the kids. I got to fix this thing on the sink over here. And I get so caught up and, oh man, I forgot to tell my heart to beat. Now follow me, watch this. I'm I'm being funny here, but I want you to watch. Think about this. Why would God create you with the most important part of this physical body, the thing that allows you to live, the most important part of you, why would he put it out of your control? Because he knows we would make a mistake. We would stumble. Not only that, the most important part of our body, you know what else he did? He put it inside of a cage, a protective layer, a rib cage, your sternum, this protective layer, so that you can't just trip and fall and your heart just fall out on the ground. You know, you can take a, you know, 
It's out of your control because of how important it is to your life. It's protected from outside forces because of how important it is to your life. All of this is by design. Watch this. Your spirit is like your physical heart. It's the part of you that is justified, that is made right with God, that is made the righteousness of God. You didn't feel it happen. The only way you knew anything happened was because of what you read in this book. That's the only way you know. When you walked down front or you were out somewhere or someone led you to Christ out on the street, whatever it is, when you prayed that prayer, you walked away, you looked the same, you smelled the same, you had the same color hair, the same color skin, the same color eyes. You know why? Because what happened to you in that moment wasn't exterior, it was interior. It was a spiritual thing that took place. Now watch. The breastplate for the Roman soldier covered his vital organs. The part of him that enabled him to live, his life source, his heart. The breastplate for the Roman soldier, it worked in place of him. It, it would stop blows that he didn't see coming. Now follow me, watch this. If he went into battle without a breastplate on, he would have to be perfect in battle or he would lose his life. But when you're wearing a breastplate, armor, if you make a mistake and you miss something and you leave yourself exposed, that armor goes to work. The breastplate for the Roman soldier replaces the soldier's need for perfection in battle. Even if he were to make a mistake, he could still make it home. Are you following me? Now watch. The breastplate of righteousness protects the eternal part of you, your spirit, your eternal life source, God's righteousness, not yours, it takes the place of your righteousness. His righteousness does what yours can't. His righteousness for your spirit, that part of you that was justified, made new. His righteousness, like armor, guarantees you survive and make it home, your heavenly home, even though you're not perfect. Sin will land 
a glancing blow in your life. It will. The idea that you are not going to sin is not biblical. We make it biblical, but it's not. In 1 John, we just read it. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The one who wrote that, the Holy Spirit, wrote it because he knew us. And he knew, if I do anything other than create a protective layer over them, they'll goof it up. James 2.10 puts it like this. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Can you imagine? You come down to the altar, you accept Christ, you're feeling great about yourself. Oh, I love Jesus. This is so good. Oh, man, I'm so happy. You're driving out of here. You're crossing over the bridge right here to get on the highway, and you go, you get on the highway, and you're singing. You're just worshiping the Lord, man. You know, you just got born again. And you get pulled over because you're changing lanes and you didn't use your blinker. I bet you didn't know that's a sin. (laughs) I love doing this. This makes me so happy. Just taking preconceived ideas and smashing them like that. You know, the Bible says we are to obey the laws of the land. And if it is a law, unless it's compromised to the word, if there is a law that says you use a blinker and change lanes and you don't do it, guess what? You sinned. So does that mean next week you got to come back down to the altar and get saved again? I'm not going to be able to leave the altar. I'm just going to tell you. Just put me a cot down here. I'm going to make a little little kitchenette down here because I'm going to be here forever. I want to show you the problem with the way that we think that somehow... We have any other option than for someone to take care of it for us. Watch this. One failure puts us back to square one with God. That's what James 2.10 is saying. And because failures were inevitable, God had to ensure a way where imperfect people would have unconditional access to a God that requires perfection. And so what did he do? The part of you that matters the most for your eternity was put out of your control. Guys, listen, you are going to die with sin in your life. Now, just watch. You're going to. You are going to die. You're thinking some thought. You're, You're doing something. You're going to. There had to be another way, even after you're born again. There are sins of omission. You know what that means? Things that you leave out you should have done that you didn't do. The Bible says anything that's not of faith is sin. The mountain is still insurmountable. 
See, I, I, told, I tried to warn you. Some of you were going to be like, Pastor Chad, now I don't know what you're trying to say here. I don't, I don't really know what this means. What are you trying to say to me? I'm trying to say to you that for you to go enter eternity and spend it with God, it has nothing to do with your ability to be a good person on earth. It has only everything to do with the fact that you were made righteous in the part of you now that is pushed to the side, the part that lasts throughout eternity. If you don't get that right, if we had to manage what he gave us, we would destroy it. The breastplate of righteousness protects your spiritual life, even though you're not perfect. So watch, let me, let me show you how this works. First, first John 3, 9. Whoever has been born of God or born again does not sin. Oh, oh. Now, wait a minute, wait a second here. Pastor Chad, you just went on a rant talking about how we sin. Did I, did I do that? Did I tell you that not using your blinker was a sin? Now, you can't get any more, like, strong than that, can you? (laughs) I know some of you, you already checked out. That's all right. Those of you who hang on, it's going to be good at the end, I promise. Whoever has been born of God, who's been born of God in here? Come on, I'm born of God. Whoever's been born of God does not sin. Who is born of God in here and you have sinned? Everybody who didn't raise their hand, you just sinned. (laughs) I'm going somewhere with this. Stay hooked on this. Whoever is born of God, what is God? God is a spirit. We were created in his image. So we are a... When you are born of God, you would be born of the... Whoever has been born of God, or we sometimes say born again, does not sin. For his seed, God's seed, remains in him, and he cannot sin. Because he's been born of God. Jesus talks to Nicodemus, and he explains a little bit about this. Watch. In John chapter 3, we're going to come back to that. John chapter 3, I need to get get this to you. John 3, verse 3, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, like any of us would think, well, how can a man be born again if he's old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, I'm saying to you, unless one is born of water and of the... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the is. Don't marvel at what I said to you. That's what Jesus said. You must be born again or born of the Spirit. See, I haven't forgot about 1 John. We'll get to it in a second. looks like the Scripture is contradicting itself until you understand what part of you it's referring to. There is a part of you that cannot sin. If there was any part of you that could sin, you are damned to hell because you will sin. And it's only one sin that damns you. It's impossible. 
uh, I have a, an aeration system at my house. And so it's our, our sewer, you know, and so it has three tanks to it. And, you know, you don't, you don't want to mess with any of the tanks. Okay. You definitely don't want to mess with tank number one. Tank number one is where they, where they put the solids. That's what they say. One night I was sitting late at night and I, I hear something buzzing. And I look outside and there's this big red light flashing out on my, by my uh, aeration system. And I'm like, what is this? It's going to wake the neighbors, you know? And so I'm like messing with it, you know? And so I went and got my little impact and I, and I went out there and I, I, I was going to, I started taking this little top off of it. I thought, whoa, 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 hang on a second, man. I know what's in there. So I thought I got to get some gloves. So I, I went and got, it wasn't this glove, but uh, I went and got, I went and got a glove. It was like this. This is like one of those cloth gloves, like a Jersey kind of glove. I went and got this, you know, and, and so then I got my impact and I was like, and I took it off and was, oh, there's something came up out of there. Like a demonic spirit jumped on me. I was like, oh, who lives in this house? <laughs> you know? Well, we couldn't flush our toilets in the house. And that's, I don't even know, I don't know what's worse, you know? People got to go to the bathroom and they're calling me. The, Chad, the, the toilet's overflowing and, is, and I don't know, you know, and so I'm trying to figure out. So I go out there and I take the lid off and I got my glove on and I look down in there like, oh man, there's some, there's some bad stuff going on in there, man. Stuff I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to remember. I'm just like, I, and so I look and I'm thinking, I, I see what the problem is. Where the, the solids run into the tank number one, it's like it's all, there's something all backed up on it. There's, there's solids backed up on it. <laughs> so so, so I, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not getting anything in there. Glove or no glove, man, I'm not doing it. And I'm going to get a stick and the stick won't work. It's one of those times where I know I, I gotta, I've got to get in there. And then as I'm reaching down there, I mean, I go, I go in, I thought, whoa, wait a second. This is a cloth glove. <laughs> you know, when you sweat under your armpits, liquids go through cloth. And so I'm thinking if I stick my hand into that crud in there, it's, it's going to come through my glove. And then what it's going to do, it's going to get on my hand. And then like, it's not okay to say that I was digging in the solids tank and something seeped through my glove and got on my hand. I don't even want to think about having to wash that. I would probably scrub the skin off and it might get under my fingernails and I wouldn't know it. It's just terrible. You follow me? In this world, you're living in tank number one. We're living in tank number one. Tank number one. And if you don't, you know, if you can't relate to this, I think you can, but like, I don't care where you go, solids are going to get on you. And it's, it's going to splash on you somehow. You didn't know it. You step in it somehow. Something's going to happen, and that's going to get on you. John tells us we're deceiving ourselves if we think somehow we're not going to sin. 
We read that, right? So, so I'm thinking about my tank. I knew I was going to get stuff on my hand. Wow, that was awesome. Let me do that. <laughs> I'm playing that. So I thought, I thought I gotta, I gotta figure out something to do. So I went back into the house, <clears throat> and I got this. And so I thought, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to put something over my hand that no liquid can get through. And so I went back out there. I still remember the day. I went back out there and I, I went to work. And we'll just take the story down from there and say, we were able to flush the toilet after that. But, but when, I came, when I came walking in, you know, I was like a, a surgeon who is fixing to go into surgery, but I, I wasn't going into surgery because I had on my hands the filth of the world. My glove was soaked through. I mean, there were solids smeared all over my hand. And Ashley said, uh, you're not coming into the house that way. Not with that on your hands. And I'm like, how am I going to get it off? I don't have it. I got nothing to do here. I got nothing. And then I remembered that I had taken precaution to make sure that what got on the outside and soaked through this glove here, my, my, my outward man, I had this protective layer so that what was out there might have got on that glove, but it couldn't penetrate this glove. So I took that off, and right underneath was a perfectly clean hand, even though it had spent hours in tank number one. This, my friend, is the breastplate of righteousness. It wasn't anything I could do. I, on my own, I'm getting my hand messy. But God gave me, as a child of God, a way. And it's so genius what he did. So that I could live in this world and yet truly and honestly say, I'm not of this world. See, when you accept Christ, let me tell you what happens. Instantly, you're justified. You don't add anything to that. You don't contribute anything to that. That's instantly. That is called justification. It's an instant work of God in your spirit done independent of your efforts. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. He does that. And that's like putting this glove on. what I believe to be the breastplate of righteousness. But it doesn't stop there because see, even though I had this glove on, I still had work to do. See, what was on the inside of me now has to make it on the outside. I can't just say, ooh, look what I got. I'm born again. No, I now start to live out what was on the inside of me. And that's called sanctification. The apostle Paul tells us very plainly, 
As you therefore have received Christ, that's good. Now walk in him. Work out or bring forth your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now watch though. If I stumble in the sanctification process, it doesn't nullify what God did in the justification. See, it doesn't work backwards. If it did, you're finished. You're finished. If somehow you could destroy what the blood of Jesus paid for, the blood of Jesus is overrated. Right over here, we have a water line. The city's water line runs right over here. From that water line, we had to tap that and run a four-inch line into our building for our sprinkler system. That charges our sprinkler system with water, but what happens is over time, the inside of the pipes for the sprinklers, it rusts. And so what was once clean water is now terrible, stagnant, putrid water. If what is in those sprinklers were to ever go back and get into your drinking water, you're drinking all the stuff that was in here. But there's something that they made us put on that line. It's called a backflow preventer. You know what that means? It means none of this dirty water can flow back out into the clean water. Here's what I'm saying to you today. God loved you so much that he made it possible for you to in a season of your life, accept Christ, begin to walk in him. And even if you were to stumble in the sanctification process, you don't nullify what he did in your life. That means you don't have to get saved 26 Sundays in a row. You don't have to. And you know why I tell you this? The whole reason I'm telling you about this breastplate of righteousness and how it's hit, because here's what happens. When we live thinking that our efforts bring us closer to God, we live on a roller coaster of righteousness. He loves me. He loves me not. I haven't been to church. He's not happy with me. And that has nothing to do with it. He already knew your worst sin. He already knew it. And he still said, I'm going to make it where they can come to me unconditionally if they will put their faith in my son. See, sulking in your sin on the sideline thinking, oh man, I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. That's condemnation. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. Watch. Here's the thing. When we walk in the spirit or we live with the understanding that our spirits have been made right with God, we know that we can come boldly into the presence of God, boldly to the throne of grace where we need mercy in a time of help and need. Because that's the only place that we can run to get help. So even though you might feel unworthy, even like you might feel that God doesn't love me, those are all lies. Your sin is no surprise to God. It's no surprise. So if you've made mistakes, if you've stumbled and you're standing on the sidelines thinking that God's upset with you, 
He's not. I promise he's not. He's not. He already knew you couldn't do it. He gave you his spirit to become unified with your spirit so that now we learn how to walk with what we have. Some of you are going to do better than others, but no one's going to do enough. When you get to heaven, though, what you did in the body will be judged and you will be rewarded for what you did or you won't be. Some people are just going to piddle it away. They will have no rewards when they get to heaven. Oh, they'll get in all right, but they're going to be low on the totem pole. Condemnation keeps you out of the presence of God and the presence of God is where you have to be if you want to move from a person who is dominated by sin to a person who lives in the presence of God. Stand up if you would. See, Satan knows if he can separate you from your, from your, um, your fellowship with God, then he can separate you from the power of God. Okay? Now watch, I just, last thing, and I'll let you go. I'm a little, little long this morning, but I, I just want to finish. This is important. Watch. The breastplate of righteousness protects your position as a child of God. Even though there are times when your fellowship might fluctuate, your relationship to the Father is eternal as a function of your birth. I am forever my, my dad. I'm forever his son. That is impossible to change because my relationship to my dad is a function of my birth. If I'm born of Mike, my dad's name's Mike. If I'm born of Mike, I'm forever Mike's son. Good son, bad son, whatever. You know, I disappoint him. I, have, I mean, you know, you disappoint your dad. The prodigal son never ceased being a son. He just lost his inheritance. I'm born of the spirit of God. I'm a child of God. I may stumble along the way, but you know what? At any moment, I can run back. And I know my father is standing at the edge of the driveway telling me to shut up. I don't want to hear it. Kill the fatted calf. Bow your heads if you would this morning. I just want you to listen to this and we're, we're, I'm finished. Just these, quickly read these. Ephesians says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Jesus said in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who is in heaven has given them to me, and he is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit create for you a breastplate of righteousness protecting you. You're held in their hands. And I have no fear of being dropped. Father, we are so thankful for your your mercy. You saw beforehand. You knew that we would never have enough. You knew that there was only one way, and that was through the shed blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would understand this in a new light, that we would grasp just how much we didn't have to offer. And you've told us through Scripture that it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And so, Father, I I pray today in accordance with your word that that an understanding of your love for us would generate a desire to live for you in a way that we've never lived before. To know that we're loved, that we can run to you at any moment, that you're never going to leave us or forsake us, that we are your son, your daughter, your child, and you love us and care about us, and there is nothing that can separate us. So I pray that Today, Lord, if there are those here that that have went away, that are out in in the pig pen, wallowing in the mud, the filth of the world, wondering if God is mad, if God is angry, if he will ever accept them, if I can come back home, what do I need to do to get back in God's good graces? I'm telling you, you don't have to do anything. You have to come back home. And I can promise you that the Father will be waiting at the edge of the drive. Before we go this morning, as we, as we get ready to dismiss, and we do every week, if that's you, if you, if you sense that's me, I'm out, I need to get home, but I've resisted because I just got too much. We've got people down front, and we do this every week, but it's, it's the time where you respond to what the Lord has spoken in your heart. Here in a minute, as we dismiss, I want you to make your way down to the front. I want you to let someone pray with you. If you don't know Jesus and you want to start a walk with him, you want to move beyond where you're at, you want to live this life as a a genuine follower of Jesus, we want to start that today. We want to help you do that. We want to help you do that. Lord, thank you for every heart in this room. I pray that today, Lord, you watch over us as we travel, and that this message will continue to stir in our hearts and push us into a deeper walk with you. We thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermons Podcast of Cross Point Church in Ada, Oklahoma. If you would like more info on Cross Point, check us out online at crosspointada.com.